Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Strategies. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 40. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to touch on recent market action, expectations of the Federal Reserve, inflation, and some thoughts on the fixed income markets. Let's begin. Let's start with market action in the month of May. First half was pretty bad, but we had a big rally in the last week, and that has rolled over in June, but I'm going to go over a couple of highlights here. The S&P index was up 18 basis points, so it did eke out a positive return. The Russell 1000 growth was down over 2%, so still weak. The Russell 1000 value was up 2%. So the large, more traditional companies have been performing better. When you look through year to date, the S&P at the end of May was down about 13%. The Russell 1000 growth, again, tech heavy, was down over 21. But the Russell 1000 values holding in only down 8%. On the equity side, value has certainly had its day versus growth. As for international equities, world index is still down about 11%. So tracking just slightly better than the S&P. Now let's talk fixed income. The Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Bond Index was up for the first time in a while, posting a 65 basis point return. High yield was also slightly up. The standout loser for the month was floating rate loans, which was down about 2.5%. So that asset class has finally cracked a bit after being very resilient through the first part of the year. The ag is down 9% for the year, so it's had a horrible year. High yield is down another 8%. And again, the standout performer for the year is still bank loans. Even though they were down for the month, they're still holding only down a few percent, a couple percent for the year. So those returns don't actually sound very bad, but that's because we had a large rally at the end of the month. So why do we have this rally? My opinion, on May 25th, the Federal Reserve released minutes of their May meeting, and the market had a pretty big rally that day. I think the market's trying to look through and might be saying, well, it's possible the Fed reassesses in August or September. Who knows if that's true and it's all on the margin, but it does signal to me that the Federal Reserve has significant influence on the path of capital assets. We'll see how this plays out. Let's talk a little bit about market volatility. The primary driver of this volatility in Fed actions is inflation. And I think there are three root causes The first root cause of inflation, in my opinion, are the supply chains, which, in my opinion, the biggest factor there is China's zero COVID policy. Base manufacturing is being stalled or shut down due to the zero COVID policies. As COVID starts to dissipate in China, I would expect base manufacturing to open up. That should start to loosen supply chains. Second factor, which is, in my opinion, a little harder to underwrite, are the labor shortages. We are seeing businesses having to adjust to how they operate due to a lack of labor availability. At this point, I'm unsure how long that's going to last. Third root cause, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This has challenged the food and energy markets, especially in Europe, which does have ripple effects. So when we look through China's zero COVID policy, I would anticipate to be looser as the year goes on. The other two around labor and the invasion, those are things that are much more difficult to underwrite. Obviously, if there is peace of some sort or an agreement of some sort about Ukraine, then the the energy markets and food markets should start to open up as well. Hopefully that doesn't 
carrying in next year. And as for labor, that's a TBD at this point. So how's the second half of this year shape up? Again, I think we get to those three base cases around China loosening up, the potential for more normalization in the food and energy markets with Ukraine, and then again, the variable with labor. But if you think through, if these factors start to normalize, then inflation should start to normalize, which means the Fed starts to neutralize, and then you have a more normal functioning world. I certainly hope for that. I don't know to what degree these factors will normalize, but my expectation is the volatility is pretty heightened right now, and I I expect volatility to be to be lower as we enter the second half of the year and inflation starts to, I would think, roll over. Now let's shift over to the Fed. Again, my belief is the Fed is reacting to inflation, but there are things taking place. One, Fed rate hikes, expectations going into June where the Fed was going to raise 50 basis points. The Fed has raised 75 basis points in June as we record this. Expectations are July, another 75 basis points. So the Fed is moving fast and furious on you know tightening short-term rates. However, the Fed is also beginning the balance sheet reduction in June. Currently about a $9 trillion balance sheet and expectations are that it will reduce by 45, 48 billion per month for the next 90 days and ramp up to 95 billion per month in balance sheet reduction. And again, that is a much faster and much more aggressive rate than when they were doing QT a few years back. And just to give you that historical perspective, last time we had quantitative tightening was in June of 17. Rates were sitting just below two and a half. A year later, the 10-year was sitting over three, so about 50 basis points. Back of the envelope from certain sell-side research team is that central banks modeling that every trillion in quantitative tightening equates to about 15 basis points in 10-year treasury yields. And that's very much back of the envelope. It'll be interesting to see when the Fed stops QT. I'm in the camp that the goal is to get the balance sheet down to, quote, a normal $6 trillion. So you're looking in 2025. Personally, I'd be surprised if they ended up going that long. We'll see. Let's really get to the crux of what the market's really staring at. And I'm of the camp... We're in a central bank world and the Fed is very much driving market reactions on the margin. And since the Fed is reacting to inflation, the key drivers of the directional elements of the market are going to come from the inflation prints. And in particular, the inflation prints this summer. Right now, inflation is sitting about 8%. If inflation, if you were to tell me inflation remains in that seven plus percent range through the summer, then my expectation would be the Fed gets very aggressive, pushes through 3%. We probably have an inverted curve and probability of recession increases substantially. If, however, we see inflation start to peak and the prints come in 6% down to 5% and and we have a reason to believe it's heading to the 3 to 4% range by the end of the year, you may see the Fed start to message that they're getting to neutral and then they'll reevaluate. In that particular circumstance, I would expect the markets to do quite well. So what's that boil down to? It boils down to the inflation prints over the next few months. Thus far in June, we did have an elevated inflation print and the markets have reacted, uh, as we expect, quite volatile and they're down again this month. We'll see how July and August shape up. 
Now, we talked about inflation. What about the health of the consumer and the economy? Real GDP growth in April was negative, but that's real GDP. Again, we're in a world where inflation is so high that the bar for real growth is very high. Nominal GDP is, is moving. We look through to the credit card spend from the B of A data, and this through April. What I found interesting is consumer behavior over the past year. You saw lodging up 25%, transit up 20%, gas up 30 plus percent. Again, that's just pure gas inflation, in my opinion. Restaurants up 10. Compared to three years ago, I found interesting airline spend is up 10%. Again, that's inflation, you know, probably inflation, but at the same time, travel is very much alive and well. So it's down. Clothing's down 8%, furniture down 15%, home improvement down 8%. So the consumers are now getting out, traveling and spending, spending less time at home. But in general, the data is pretty strong on consumer spending. So when you look through to this, this backdrop, the job market's strong, the consumer is strong, inflation is wreaking havoc, and the root causes of inflation around supply chains and labor and also the Ukrainian invasion, all those things are being adjusted to by the marketplace. What's going to matter to capital assets, again, are what's the level of inflation two to three months from now, and then the Fed's reaction to that. Let's transition now to fixed income, and in particular, opportunities in fixed income. So I wrestled with this one in most part because our firm had an investment meeting in, not that long ago, and looking through to the views of the asset classes, in general, there's actually, in my opinion, a lot of opportunity within fixed income, in part because asset prices have been hit. And we look through to yields, the 10-year treasuries over 3%, investment grade yields on the credit side are over 4%, in some cases, 5 High-yield bonds are yielding over 7 with double Bs yielding almost 6 So if, if you were to just look at high-yield bonds, your coupon of 7% gives you a lot of downside protection. And if you actually get some spread compression, you could see a situation where high-yield bonds yield high single digits to even low double digits. Even on the loan side, with the Fed becoming very aggressive, the coupons are increasing and companies are not able to reprice. So you, you, you have an opportunity for total return on top of an increasing coupon. So there is, in my opinion, general credit looks pretty attractive, especially when I think about the time horizon over the next two years. You know, the story we have with high inflation and compressing margins, that really hurts the equity story. The debt story, in the case of normal, normally levered companies, should be quite, quite good on the default side. So low defaults. If you are aggressively levered, then that's where you might run into problems around margin compression. The caveat in all this is recession. If you individually believe recession has a very high probability you probably skew to investment grade because in general, the yield curve should drop and you can avoid a lot of risk. If you believe recession is unlikely, then high yield and bank loans can look quite attractive as you'll be clipping 14 points over the next two years in an environment with most likely below average defaults and low recession. Again, that's the caveat, which gets back to the likelihood of recession is probably predicated on the aggressiveness of the Fed, which is looking at the inflation prints. Another way to think about it is most allocators have been very overweight equities 
over the past five, seven years. Well, if you think about the forecast of the S&P 500 over the next two or three years, return profile, if you're in the camp, the return profile is in the high single digits, then credit makes a ton of sense. Lastly, I will close with personal reflection. So we're in graduation season. Most students have graduated either May, early June. And I did run across uh, what I thought was a thought-provoking article geared towards new college graduates. And it's about five lessons to unlearn from school. It was written by Susie Welsh, who is the widow of former GE CEO, Jack Welsh. Lesson one was that school assignments are clearly presented, but in the real world, that rarely happens. So you must adapt to a work life that are often ambiguous. Lesson two in schools, you have second chances, new semesters, new years, et cetera. But in life, we all know it. It's one shot. So play the long game. Lesson three is that schools reward students many times for effort. Life rewards you for results. I found that to be very wise words. Lesson four is in school, the more words you use, many times that's better. I can honestly say less is more in life and in business. And lesson five is as a student, your job is primarily to impress one person, and that's your teacher or professor. Well, in life and in work, everyone has input. So understand that in situations, treat everyone with respect. And I, I like that one as well. Appreciate your time. Thank you and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the publication date and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. All third-party trademarks referenced belong to their respective owners.